church this morning with you, whether you're here or you're online. Um, if you're online, I can't see you, but I'm glad that you're, that you're watching. And if you're here, I can see you, and I'm glad that you're watching. Um, this morning, we're starting a new series called Church 101. Church 101. We're going to be looking at different ideas and aspects of the church uh, and what the church is and different parts of what make up the church and what's important with the church. Uh, and so over the next eight weeks, we're going to be looking at Church 101. I think it's a great idea for a series, um, especially right now, because I think um, a lot of people have different ideas and thoughts or opinions about what the church is, what the church should be, uh, maybe good or bad. Uh, for some, the church may be a bad thing. It may be old or outdated or intolerant. And then for some, church is a safe place, a family, a place of worship, maybe a place to meet eligible singles. Uh, the church can be a lot of different things to a lot of different people, and so we thought it would be a good time to look at uh, what the church is, why it's important, and the purpose of it. Because depending on who you talk to, there can be completely different ideas about what the church is. So this series, we're going to be looking at uh, grace and forgiveness, elders and deacons, preaching, authenticity, persecution, prayer and discipline, doctrine, and tradition. Now, to some, the church, like I said, may seem like it's no longer needed. Um, part of the trend of what's happened after COVID is that churches are saying that there's um, certain people who are coming that are new, that maybe they first attended online, but then there's also some people who uh, haven't returned for whatever reason since COVID. Maybe it was they got out of the routine. Uh, who knows? Maybe it's they just lost interest. Maybe the way that church was happening online was just tough for them, but some people haven't come back. And during this time, again, church, how we do church has been, has been different, right? I'm thinking back to when it all went down and we're, uh, I was just telling someone this week how when it first went down and we were closed and we're trying to figure out how to do all this online stuff and um, we were filming, maybe you don't know this, but for, the, for about a year we were filming church on my phone. <laughs> and then on my wife's phone. And so I'd have one phone set up in the middle, and then I'd have one phone that I'd have, and I'd run around while they were, while they were, while they were uh, uh, playing, and then I'd go and I'd edit it. And so it was completely different. And even now, church is still a little bit different. There's this big, uh, if you're here in person, this big camera stage here and over there, uh, and it's just, it's just different. And so the way that we've done church over the years may have changed, whether it's online, cameras, whatever, but the purpose of why we do church will always be needed and has not changed. How we do church may have changed, but the purpose and the reason of why we do church has not changed, and that is to love and serve one another, equip people, care for the needy, and then worship and grow together. That hasn't changed. And so we're going to be working our way through two passages this morning, and the first one is in 1 Timothy uh, chapter 1, verses 12 to 17, and it says this. I thank him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he judged me faithful, appointing me to his service. Though formerly I was a blasphemer, persecutor, and insolent opponent, I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief, and the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus." The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. But I received mercy for this reason, that in me as the foremost... 
Christ Jesus might display his perfect patience as an example to those who are to believe in him for eternal life. To the king of ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever. Amen. And so there's a few things I want to dive into uh, with this passage. And the first and foremost is that it reminds us that regardless of circumstance, we are all, every single one of us, benefactors, recipients of the mercy and grace that Jesus gives us. Every single one of us. doesn't matter what's gone on in our life. doesn't matter, you know, if we're like, well, we've been pretty good or I've been really bad or whatever. We've all been benefactors of the grace and mercy of Jesus. And because of that, because we've all made mistakes, because we're all needing it, we all have to receive it, and Jesus offers that to us. And I love the imagery that was shown in this verse. It says that grace overflowed. It overflowed. And when I think of the idea of something overflowing, um, I think of there's maybe like a cup with water being poured in, and it's just overflowing. And when you think of overflowing, it's because there's actually too much available to fit. There's too much to be held. There's more than that can be held in whatever the container is that you're pouring into, right? I'm sure we all can imagine this. We've all experienced it where something's been overflowing. Maybe you weren't watching when you're pouring juice or you, you, know, you were trying to fill something up and you overflowed it and it's leaking everywhere. Uh, we had a bit of a, a water leak at, at the church in the, with the boiler. You guys all know we were cold for a bit. And uh, the water was leaking everywhere and Car- Pastor Kelly and I are getting soaked. Water's spraying and we're trying to catch all the water and it's just overflowing. It's overflowing everywhere. And I love this imagery because what it tells us is that we have more grace There's more grace available to us than we can actually hold. There's more grace available to us than we actually need, and definitely more than we deserve. His grace is overflowing to us. It's it's more than we need. It's more than enough, and it's definitely more than we deserve. So that no matter what happens in our life, there is grace and mercy available to us. And it's not in short supply. It's fully and readily available, and there's more than we need. The second thing that I love about this verse is it talks about how Jesus is patient with us. Not only does his grace overflow, but he is patient with us when we struggle. Now, in my experience, um, it can be easy to be patient early in things, right? Like if you're trying to teach someone something, you know, hopefully if you're a good teacher, maybe you're just, if you're not a good teacher, you're not patient at all. But if you're a decent teacher, you're a good teacher, you can be patient at the start, right? But as time goes on, it can be harder and harder to be patient because you're like, I've shown you this already. I've told you this already. Like, you've, you've made this mistake already. Now, uh, I'm, I'm 32 years old, and so that means that uh, the technology that we have now with, like, video streaming and all that kind of stuff, it was not available when I was a kid. Uh, and so what we had in, in our house, we didn't have cable or satellite or anything ever. Um, we had, like, an antenna that would, that would receive, we'd have, like, seven or eight channels that we would watch, um, the ones that we could get with our antenna, and then we had like a, uh, like a remote that could like turn the antenna to try to get a better signal. Um, all you kids don't know the struggle, I'm telling you right now. You think, you think Wi-Fi, it's like, oh, the Wi-Fi is slow. You guys have no idea. We're like, my dad's in the garage turning it. Is that better? No, 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 it's worse. Keep turning it. Keep, yeah, there it is. Stop, stop, stop. Like, it, it's tough. And so um, that's what we had. So we had uh, an antenna, and we had a VCR, if you're young, you don't know what a VCR is. VCR was before a DVD player. That's basically what it was. And if you don't know what a DVD player is, that was what was before Blu-ray. 
So that's just the, the progression of things. And so we had a VCR, and uh, if we wanted to record TV shows, we could, but we didn't have a PVR. You didn't have like, yeah, I'm just gonna go on my, like now I can go on my phone and I can set up, okay, record this. Like the NBA All-Star Weekends this weekend, I wanna watch that, but I'm busy, record. No problem. Um, but when I was a kid, you had to like go in, set on the VCR, pick the channel, and then set it to record, and then make sure it's set. And then while it's recording, you actually couldn't watch anything else. So there'd be times where my dad's like, I need to record this. And I'm like, but I wanna watch TV. It's like, too bad. Like, couldn't do it. Um, and so we'd be recording things, and you had to make sure that there was enough space on the tape, because if there wasn't enough space, it would stop. You had to make sure that the tape was rewound, because if it wasn't rewound, it wouldn't go, and we wouldn't have access to it. Um, and so that sounds a little bit like, you know, co complex, I guess, but it was, pretty, it was pretty simple because we knew what we were doing. But my mom is someone who is not very good with technology. Um, and even the old stuff, like just not, never been her thing. And so um, without fail, whenever, like if my mom was home alone and she's trying to watch TV, she would call either my, myself, my brother, or my dad and be like, I can't figure this out. How much, I, I want to watch TV. I'm like, well, just, you just got to turn on the TV and you got to turn on like the antenna and then just change the channel. It's like, you know, that's all you gotta do. And she's like, I can't figure it out. I've pressed all these buttons. I'm like, well, what buttons have you pressed? Like, you shouldn't be pressing the buttons. It's just two buttons. And so she'd call. And at first, I'll be honest, we were pretty patient. Okay, mom, this is what you gotta do. You wanna go here, you wanna press this, and then do this. And, you know, we were pretty patient. But as the years go on, we get the call and we're like, I guarantee this is mom having problems with the TV. And she'd call and she'd be like, well, I don't know what to do. I'm like, I told this to you before. Like, it's two buttons. Like, you press this and you press this and you change a channel. That's all it is. You make sure that you're on this input, and then you make sure the antenna's on, and then you change the channel. It's like, well, I don't know, I've pressed these. I'm like, stop pressing the buttons. Like, do not press the buttons. And uh, it was harder and harder to be patient as time went on. And, and if, you're, if you've ever tried to explain something technology-wise to someone when you're not there, it's very difficult. You're like, okay, press this. This, no, no, not that button. Go to the VCR. Well, which one's the VCR? It's the one that has this. It's, I think it's RCA brand. Okay, do this, do this. And so it got harder and harder to be patient as time went on. Maybe you've experienced something like that, where you're patient at the start, but as time goes on, your patience runs thin. It runs thin. But with Jesus, it talks about in this passage that his patience with us is perfect. Perfect patience. And not only that, but is actually an example to others because it's so available to us that our failures can actually serve as an example to everyone that his grace is available. That his patience is so perfect that even when we make mistakes, even when we f fail, that that actually is just an example to others that, hey, like, that's okay. His patience and his grace is still available. So if you are discouraged or down because it seems like you're just stuck we need, to rem we need to remember that his grace is overflowing and his patience is perfect. There's more grace than we need and there is more patience than we need because we're going to need a lot of patience. I don't know about you, but I sometimes make the same mistakes over and over and over again and it's good that Jesus has a lot of patience with me, right? But his grace and his patience is perfect. The second passage that I want to look at is in Titus, chapter 2, verses 11 to 13. It says this, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, 
upright and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. What this tells us is that we know that his grace is overflowing. We know that his patience is perfect. And we need to remember as well that his grace has already appeared. It's already been won. It's already available. His forgiveness is already here. It's already been won, and it's already available. And sometimes I think we live in a way that forgets that, where we're like scared to ask or, or receive what we know is already available in our minds, but we're just so scared to ask for it because maybe we've made or we've asked that same request multiple times. And we forget and we act like we have to wait or we kind of wait on the outside to receive what we know is already available. Almost like if you're going to a restaurant and you put your name in for a table and you're waiting outside, but all the while there's multiple tables available that are empty that we can go and sit at. But instead we wait outside because we're like, we got to wait, we got to wait, it's not available, it's not available, but actually it is. And the result of this grace and forgiveness should lead us hopefully, to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, like the passage was saying, and to live self-controlled in the present age, to live self-controlled in our present moment. And the reason why we can be self-controlled in this present moment, in our present age, is because we know that this, this present age, this present moment, is not all there is. It's not all there is. We are living with heaven in mind. We know that there's a better place for us down the line. But at times I would suggest that we forget this as well and we act that maybe Jesus meant in his time to do this, but it, it, he wouldn't necessarily mean it this way in our time because if he just knew the situation that I was in, then he would agree with me. Like if he just knew the situation that I was facing, then he would understand and he, he'd be on my side and we act like our situation is different and we can make exceptions. Now, during this past two years, if we were to look at the whole of Christianity and the church, and if we're being honest with ourselves, not everyone has acted with these things in mind. Not, not all of us have been not focused on worldly passions. Not all of us have been self-controlled. We've made mistakes. But we need to be reminded that we are in a stage of waiting. I love that Caleb used that song, Living Hope, this morning. Because we know that, that the hope that we have, the living hope that that song was talking about is Jesus. And the blessed hope that it's talking about in this passage is that we have Jesus and the hope of him appearing again. And I want to camp on this idea for a bit, the idea that we are in the stage of waiting. Because in this stage of waiting, the church, us as believers, we have a responsibility. And during this time of COVID, for a lot of us, it's made us feel helpless. It seems never-ending. It's confusing. It's up and down. And it can be easy to lose hope. It can be really easy to lose hope. Hope of things being normal again. There's been so many times where I thought, okay, yeah, all right, here it is. Like, they're going to, you know, everything's going to be back to normal. I'm so excited. Like, we can start making plans for this and that just to be disappointed again. And it can be exhausting. For me, working with youth, which is a group, and having to follow along with all the restrictions and thinking, okay, what, what are we allowed to do? Can we do this? What do we have to do for this? It's been exhausting. Things changing up and down all over the place. It's been so exhausting. And maybe, I don't think I'm the only one who feels this way, where you're just, man, I'm just tired. I'm just tired of all this. I, I feel like there's just not a lot of hope right now. And because of this, more and more people are on edge. 
More and more of us are on edge. Now, maybe this makes me sound um, bad, but one of the things that I've done to kill time, I guess, over the course of this pandemic is I, I get on rabbit trails watching different videos of people like losing their minds over certain things. Like maybe they're in like a pizza place and they've been asked to do something and they just refuse and it's this whole big thing or they're outside a restaurant and they've been waiting for too long so they like lose their mind and start fighting because they want to get into like Olive Garden quicker. And I watch these videos and I'm like, I, maybe, I'm, maybe I'm a bad person, but I'm like, this is like comical how ridiculous this is. Like you're going you're gonna to punch this person in the face because you want your breadsticks like five minutes quicker? Like, this is, this is nuts. And so I watch these videos, and what I, what I realize is that, hopefully, anyway, hopefully these people, they wouldn't normally act this way. But with, just, with everything going on, they've reached their breaking point, and something happens, and they just, like, lash out. And we've all done, you know, a similar thing, maybe not to that extreme, but we've just reached our breaking point, and then it just, like, we, we snap, right? And someone's like, whoa, what is your problem? And you're like, you know what? Hopefully you realize later, I'm sorry, it's been a rough day, and I, I took it out on you. And we've seen this. We've seen, we've seen the last few years division, people hating each other. We've seen a rise in race-related issues and aggressions to the point that people that I know are carrying around bear spray because of certain attacks on different racial demographics, and they don't feel safe just walking around their cities. We've seen extremely strong feelings for or against certain political leaders and protests and demonstrations for or against certain issues. And it can be easy to be just overcome with overwhelming feelings of hopelessness. And it's just so easy to feel done. There's been so many times where I'm just like, I'm done. I'm so tired of this. I'm done. Like, I, 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 can't, I can't deal with this anymore. I'm just going to watch, you know, something stupid on TV just to get my mind off this. And even within churches, there's been issues that have been brought out, and people are using Scripture as a weapon to back up their point, all kinds of issues. And it's tough because what grieves me about that is the church should have nothing to do with these things. You'll notice that when we're talking about these different issues, that one of the things that are not in Church 101 is political affiliation or which party you should vote for or, or health mandates or health responses. That's not what our role is as the church. It's not part of church 101. And as the church and as believers, our responses should be different because we understand that we're in a stage of waiting, that we're in a stage of waiting, that our truly our only blessed hope is the person of Jesus. And we understand that this world is not all that there is, and that the only hope, our blessed hope that we have is Jesus returning. And this is alone where we can receive our hope. That our hope doesn't come from a political party or leader, a local health authority, a movement or a group, mandates being introduced or lifted. Our hope comes from Jesus. And none of these things are bad. Like, you can absolutely have your opinions about them. But none of these things are the answer for the hope that we need. None of these things are the answer for the hope that we need. And I know this because all of these things, all this hope that we needed was around before. It was around before COVID. It was around before when a different person was in power or a different party was in power or whoever. This hope was still required before. And so none of these things, again, are bad. Have your opinions. But it's not the answer to the hope that we need. Our hope, our blessed hope, is in the person of Jesus and nothing else. And our role as the church is to be pointing people to that and letting them know that this grace that we've experienced, this overwhelming, overflowing grace that we've experienced 
is available to them. And that even if we make mistakes, even if we mess up, that his patience is perfect. And we have full access to him. But when we make the church about these different things, it can put us at odds with each other. And we need to remember that his grace and his forgiveness and his mercy is for everyone. We need to remember that no one and nothing can make everything right except Jesus. But it's been easy for us to lose sight of that in this time. And here's the danger of that. The danger of us putting Jesus or the church or the Bible in a place that it wasn't supposed to be is that when we take something that's not supposed to be there and put it there, it's, it's not going to go well because it was never meant to be in that position. And I don't know about you, uh, if you've ever been put into a situation that you were maybe not prepared for, not trained for, not meant to be, but it's, it's, it's pretty tricky. It usually doesn't go super well. So my, my first job that I ever worked at was at a restaurant, and I started when I was 13 years old. Um, like, I think the labor laws were different then, because I don't know if you can work at 13 now. <laughs> um, but I worked, I was 13 years old, and I started, and I was a prep guy. And so I'd show up every Saturday, and I would work prepping things for the week. So I would make, um, like, I'd shred the lettuce for the week, I'd shred the different, you know, cheeses for the week, I would prepare um, some of the different sauces to be used that week, I'd make chili for the week, that's why I make the best chili in the world, because I've been doing it a long time. Um, I would do all these different things to prep for the week, and that's what I did. And that's honestly the only thing that I was ever trained to do. They would show me how to do this stuff, and I would do it, and okay. And then as time went on, they'd, it'd be busy, and they'd say, hey, Christian, can you come help and do drinks? And I was like, kind of nervous. I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing, but like, sure. So I, I walk out, and I was able to figure it out. I'm a pretty smart guy. It was pretty complicated, but I was able to figure out that on the drink portion of the ticket, if it said SC, that meant small Coke. I'm pretty good. Um, I knew that if it was MC, it was medium Coke. If it was LRB, it was large root beer. And I was able to look at the three different sizes of cups and I could determine which one was the smallest, which one was in the middle, and which was the biggest. I, I, I was pretty smart. I could figure it out. Uh, and so I was like, yeah, sure, two drinks, no problem. I, I didn't get trained on it, but I can figure it out. And so I would do that for when it was busy and I'd you know, feel good about myself and you know, whatever. I'd do that. But as time went on, they'd be like, call me to do other things. And I remember one time they are like, uh, Christian, report to the fryer? And I was like, they need something? Like, walk over. Hey, want me to grab you something? Like, wait, oh no, can you run the fryer for me? It's like, sure. Never done it before. Never been trained. And it's not one of those, like, timed things. So I'm like, sure. And they're like, yeah, so just, like, you know, check the tickets and then put up the orders. I'm like, cool. So I'm, like, putting fries in. I'm like, I have no idea what I'm doing. And I'm like, and I'm like, just putting it in. I'm like, how do I know when they're done? when they're really brown. They're going to be really well done. Shh. And they're like, yeah, a couple of orders of onion rings. Like, sure. Just grab some, a handful of onion rings, throw in a thing. Oh, is it good? I don't know. Yeah, and then some chicken fingers. Yep. Don't even know how many to put in, but you just put a stack in there. And so I did it this one time, and it was so bad. I had so much waste. They're like, oh, Christian, there's a lot of waste. And I was like, well, they're like, yeah, like, did you not, like, remember your, like, training? And I was like, well, no, it never happened, so I don't know what I was doing. And so I wasn't meant to be doing that. I hadn't been trained on that. And the worst was one time, I was like, Christian, report to the grill. And I was like, cool, sounds good. I'm like 14, 15. They're like, yeah, you're going to run the grill. I'm like, awesome. Like, you know, like, yeah, just put up the orders. And I'm like, okay, mostly burgers and hot dogs. So I could figure it out. I'm like, you know what, worst case scenario, I'll overcook it. I'm not going to get someone sick. They may not come back, but they won't get sick. So I'll just do it that way. And uh, it was fine. And then they're like, we also did like steaks sometimes. They're like, yeah, there's two steaks medium rare. It's like, 
okay, uh, sounds good. And I grab these steaks, I throw them on the grill. I'm like, well, I don't know what medium well is. Um, I know that it's not burnt, so I'm just going to like, you know. And I'm like flipping it like I know what I'm doing. I'm like, oh, yeah, checking it. Like, hmm, oh, a little bit more, a little bit more. Is it ready? Uh, not quite. I'm like, I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm just like, yep, sounds good. And so finally I, like, I, I put up the steaks. I'm like, there you go. And the whole time I'm just like, please don't send it back. Please don't send it back. Please don't send it back. And uh, afterwards I remember telling my boss, I'm like, yeah, um, so like I don't know how to cook steaks, man. Like I don't. I've never been trained on this. He's like, really? I was like, yeah. He's like, well, so what'd you do? I'm like, my best. I don't know. Um, but I was never meant to do those jobs. I was never trained for them, and I, they didn't come back, but I'm sure they weren't medium rare. There's no way that they were medium rare, because I didn't even know what I was doing. But when you get put in a spot that you weren't trained for, that you weren't meant for, it doesn't go well. It doesn't go well, because it was never meant to happen that way. And I think that's what's happening a lot of times, especially right now, with Jesus and the church. It's being put into a place, into a venue that it's never actually meant to be. And right now, I'm sure you've heard what's happening in Ottawa and what's going on. It's been a, a challenging time for, for our country, and I'm not going to get into the inner workings of if it's good or bad or if you agree or disagree, but I will say that a lot of people, a lot of believers have put their hope in this movement. And honestly, that's fine for some people, but for believers... Our hope can't be in it. You can agree with it. You can have your opinions about it. But our hope needs to remain in who Jesus is. It can't be put in anything else. And again, you can have your choice about it. You can support it if you want to. Like, you can do you. Like, you can have your opinions. That's fine. Mark's, Pastor Mark has talked a lot of times about how we can have disagreements, and that's fine within, within our church. But it can't be where our hope comes from. It can't be. We need to be careful, too, that our passion for or against mandates or health orders or the convoy or whatever exceeds our passion for the gospel. you got to be careful. I've seen people in the last little bit that have been so much, and it's fine, you can be passionate. I'm not trying to you know, say you can't be passionate. But I've seen them more passionate about this than I've ever seen them passionate about the gospel. We need to be careful. We need to be reminded that our hope and our number one passion should be for the person of Jesus. So where do we find our hope? Where do we find our hope? We need to be careful what we put our hope in because, as I have said, we're in a stage of waiting and we understand that our blessed hope is in Jesus. And as a church, the hope that we hold on to is in the person of Jesus. And even, it was perfect. I, I didn't even plan this with Caleb, but he talked about um, the song this morning that talked about being free, that he set us free. We need to be reminded that as believers, we know that the only true place that our freedom can come from is Jesus. That's the only place. And that our freedom has already been won. Our freedom has already been won by Jesus. Now, what I'm not saying is that we, we bury our head in the sand and don't worry or have opinions about certain issues that are going on in our world. Absolutely, have your thoughts, be informed, have your opinions, all that kind of stuff. But we have to remember where we place our hope. We have to remember where our hope comes from. And our hope comes from the fact that we have access to an overflowing, overwhelming grace and forgiveness that comes from Jesus. That's our hope. That no matter what we do, no matter what mistakes we make, no matter what our past has looked like, that we still have access to the grace that is overflowing for us. 
And that in the times that we make mistakes and do things that are not good, that he has perfect patience for us. So it may not seem very encouraging to think about that we're in this stage of waiting. I don't like waiting. Waiting is the worst. Like when you're waiting for a restaurant, when you're waiting for, you know, your internet to load, when you're outside waiting, when you're in Disney World, you're waiting in line, waiting is the worst. I don't, I don't enjoy waiting. I don't know if anyone does. Like I just love waiting for something that's going to be good. That's just the best. Like people don't, we don't enjoy this waiting. It doesn't, maybe not, doesn't seem very encouraging. But while we are waiting... While we are waiting, we have the gift and the hope that comes from Jesus, knowing that he is returning. And in this time, it can be so easy for us to feel hopeless and discouraged or frustrated with everything that's going on. But we need to remember where we get our hope. Remember that even though we're in this stage of waiting, that we have hope because we have access to the grace and mercy that is overflowing, that is more than enough, and it's definitely more than we deserve. So in this time that it feels so challenging and, and, and hopeless and discouraging, and no matter where you're at, it, it's been a tough time. So I want to encourage all of us that we have access to this blessed hope, that we know that no matter how tough things get, that we still have access to the grace and mercy and forgiveness that comes from Jesus. And that's where we can put our hope. That's where we can anchor ourselves when things get challenging. That's where we can anchor ourselves when things seem like they're just too much for us. We can anchor ourselves that ultimately we have hope in who Jesus is and he is still on the throne. Let me pray. God, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you that we can gather like this. God, I thank you for the opportunity that that is to, to read your word and listen to your word. And God, I pray that for all of us, we would be reminded that in times where we're feeling discouraged or overwhelmed or just down on what, whatever's going on in our lives, that we would be reminded that we can have hope and a blessed hope that is in you. That we can have access to the grace and the forgiveness and the mercy that you give to us. And that in times when we make mistake after mistake, maybe the same one over and over and over again, that you give us perfect patience. That you are patient with us as we figure things out. And that that patience can actually show others that they can have this same life and experience that we have. We love you so much. Thank you for everything that you do for us. We ask this in your name. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. I hope you have an awesome week, and we will see you next Sunday.